before you know it, as you give them one thing and then the next and then the next, all of the things that you used to do, they can do. And your goal as a solopreneur is to create a digital copy of your brain and of your procedures. Do you feel you're wasting money you could be keeping in your pocket? Well, many private label Amazon sellers don't even know where they're wasting money, let alone how to stop it. But if that's you, we can help. Our new online assessment helps you identify your biggest Amazon profit killer and what to do about it. For a powerful and quick diagnosis, go to amazonprofitquiz.com. That's amazonprofitquiz.com to get your instant free analysis straight away. Ladles and jelly spoons, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers. Today, we're talking with a great success in that arena, Mina Elias. He founded MMA Nutrition, an electrolyte supplement brand, but he's since gone to found the Trivium Group and helps a lot of other sellers as well. And today we're talking about hiring remotely. And that's something that Mina's been doing a huge amount. Even since we did our preparatory call a few weeks ago, his team has grown by quite a percentage, over 10% by my reckoning. So Mina, welcome. Welcome back to the show, man. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to share this. I know it's a huge, like a mystery and difficult piece of everyone's business. I really don't understand how people, you know what, let me, the best way to say this is, when I was in my nine to five, I wish I knew about this because I wish I would have hired someone, paid them like 600, 700 bucks a month to do a lot of the dirty work. And instead of working 40 hours a week, I would have been able to put 20 hours a week and then chill because I have someone assisting me for a fraction of my salary. So very, very important part. I don't know how I would do anything without hiring like good people. And now that I do have amazing people around me, I really look and I'm like, wow, this is all thanks to them. It's I'm the orchestrator, but then it's like the people who are moving the parts. It's not me anymore. I'm not the in, in the business anymore. Excellent. So I guess if you wanted to summarize the, why does this matter? Why should it even bother? It sounds like what other people are getting things done for you. You work a fewer hours. What is the outcome have been for you as a business owner so far of hiring remote? I was at dinner. We were at a double date two days ago with the, my girlfriend's friend and her uh, boyfriend. And we were talking and he works in, in a physical business where he has to show up every single day. And I was like, how's your weekly routine? He's like asking me how his weekly routine. And then he was telling me he has to show up every, he has to work Saturdays. He has to do all this stuff. And I was like, I was wondering, I was like, why don't you just hire like a project manager? And the resistance was very high because I think he thought that someone wouldn't be able to do what he's doing. And so the number one thing that hiring has allowed me to do is completely buy my back my time. And so I'm no longer uh, required to work. I'm required to work if I want to grow the business. I'm not required to work. I'm required to work if I want to enhance the business, innovate, but I'm not required to work to make things uh, continue to move on their own. They're now moving on their own. And that uh, took me from working in the business and being an employee of the business to now no longer being an employee of the business. The company is completely sellable. If I, I could just hand it off to someone and they would just have to orchestrate the team, but the team knows exactly what they're doing. Sales will continue to grow because we have standardized methods for sales and all of this stuff. And number one, it allows you to back, buy back your time. And number two, it allows you to become a sellable business. If you're an Amazon seller, it might be a little bit different. You can sell your account, but if you're outside of an Amazon business, and you really want to sell a business, it needs to be able to run without or else why would they buy it? They would be like, you could just leave us and it all goes down the drain. 
Yeah, a <laughs> good point. And yeah, I think really it's one of those oft talked about and not so often implemented things I see people working on not in the business. It's a lot harder to do than people say. So if hiring people is the main way to get that done, then let's get into how do we hire. Remote hiring is what we're talking about. So let's define it first of all. I presume that you guys mostly would be hiring people in, say, the Philippines and other places like that, and you're based somewhere in the States. So is that accurate? Is that what it means for you? Yeah. Remote hiring for me is like labor arbitrage, which is basically I'm collecting money from residents for whatever service or product that I have, but I'm fulfilling everything through people living in other countries. Mainly my entire team is in Eastern Europe. I have a few people in the Philippines, but the main team is in Eastern Europe. And instead of one person over there, let's say I pay them $1,000, $1,200 a month, that same person over here will be paid a minimum of a five or $6,000 a month salary. And so the fact that I'm able to hire that person to get the same amount of work done to a certain degree, very close to what you would get done in the US with the fraction of the cost, it's not just good for me, for my profits. It's also good for the person who's buying. There's other agencies that, that charge 5,000 starting and we charge 2,000 starting. And the reason we're able to do that is because we have the team, we don't have to pay the team as much. If I had to pay everyone in the US, it would be a lot more expensive. And so maybe it, it's not for everyone. If you're working with enterprise level and they want to see constant meetings and they want people from America, maybe that's not for you. But if you're serving six, seven figure sellers, or if you're a, a brand, if you're like a brand like my brand was, and you don't have that much cash flow, that much capital, and you just want to build things up and, and reinvest into the business in, instead of hiring, you know, what's the minimum that you're going to hire someone in the US? $5,000, $6,000. It's a lot harsher on your bank account than if you just hire someone for $800 who can do a ton of the admin work that you, you have on your plate. So you're focused on doing other things, growing the business by at least $1,000, $2,000 more a month, taking a portion of that, hiring someone else to do more things, buying back your time, scaling your operations and just continuing that path. Excellent. So obviously, one thing that strikes me, let's talk about the affordability thing, first of all, for this, because it strikes me that e-commerce and agency models are a bit different. We don't want to delve too much into the agency side, because I think it's really e-commerce sellers that we're here to serve. But the profit margins are very different, aren't they? So I guess you have much more of an overhead-based expense structure and not very much direct costs in an agency or service model generally. Even if you run a management consultancy, I guess it would be similar. But with an e-commerce model, obviously, a lot of the costs, particularly if you don't have big offices, or a legacy business or warehouse or whatever is mostly cost of goods sold so direct costs. So how do we get to the point where an e-commerce business can afford to hire somebody? It's the first question, I guess. It's another mental barrier to doing it. Apart from this is going to be difficult. It's can I afford it? Yeah, yeah. I think the first step to can I afford this is if you are not able to generate some level of profits in the business to afford $1,000 a month or giving $600 a month to an overseas employee, then you probably should stay in the business. You should stay working on the business or in the business until you figure things out because it might be premature. So if you're still at a zero profit level, I wouldn't say do it. Now, if you are a full-time employee or something of a company and Amazon is your side thing and you're trying to get it off the ground, then take some of your salary and put it towards that employee because you probably, when I was building my business in my nutrition, I was putting in 50 hours a week at the office, and then I was putting at least another 30 hours a week outside of the office, 20 to 30 hours a week on MMA nutrition. And I could have 
been able to buy back a lot of my time if I took a fraction of my salary, $600, $700 a month, and put it towards an employee who was working 40 hours a week on my business, uh, everything that I needed to get done. If it's Amazon, it can be PPC, it can be reaching to out to influencers, it can be whatever you're managing. If I'm going to talk to a bunch of people so they can get reviews, maybe managing that process, whatever it is, but it would buy back a lot of my time. And that's the goal is if I'm going to spend 10 hours on something, I want to build a system that I can eventually delegate, give it to someone else who costs a lot less. Because let's say I cost $35 an hour, very cheap. If I'm making $70,000 a year as a salary, I cost $35 an hour. This employee costs four. So I want to give that employee a, a four hour, $4 an hour task and then put something else that's $35 an hour task, which is maybe figure out this thing in the business, figure out a supply chain in the business. Okay, I, I build a system, I figure it out, and then I delegate it to someone who's $4 an hour. And that person is work, working 40 hours a week. So even if they're half as efficient as you, because you're the business owner, you're very smart, you're an entrepreneur, you're amazing, then you're saving 20 hours. Okay, even if they're 25%, you're, you're as good as you're saving 10 hours. Yeah, who doesn't want to save... Who doesn't want to save 10 hours a week? Yeah, I think that's the thing that people get. I think you've put your finger on a really important point that they probably will be less good than you. My experience, if you're not amazing at recruiting and you're not amazing at managing, I do believe that some of the people I've hired sometimes for some tasks have been like only 25% as efficient as me, but it's $4 an hour. So that's 4X. Okay, so do I value my time at $16 an hour? No, of course not, because I'd go broke trying to live in London on $16 an hour. So yes, you're absolutely right. The other thing that I listened to Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, I've had it on my bedside table for three years as a sort of guilt book because it's an e-commerce story. And I thought, oh, I must read this. But I had a resistance because I thought it would be boring and corporate. I was utterly wrong. It's a fantastic story, but it's all about the startup phase, really. And he, the guy who founded it, Phil Knight, had a job. Um, even though he had one or two full-time employees working for Nike, he actually kept his day job for years. And which kind of blew my mind until I thought, well, actually, he needed to put cash into the business, but also he needs to <laughs> enable the business to pay other people's salaries. So he was not so bothered about being in the business the whole time, which was, it was so interesting to me. So there you go. It's doable. It's not just an e-commerce idea. It's not just a new thing. So look, let's get into the nuts and bolts. How do you even begin to go about this? Assuming that you can afford to pay somebody $4 an hour for, would you go straight into hiring full-time in one go? Would you go part-time? What's the sort of first approach? So the first thing that, that precedes any hiring is, and I made this a mistake, the first person I ever hired, I brought them in and then I started giving them things to do. And it was very inefficient. There was no standard. I was always unhappy. I ended up firing that person. It was a mistake. And the mistake was mine, not that person's mistake because I had no systems. So what I did was I created, I put a log next to my desk and then every single task that I did for the next two weeks, I documented it. I documented every single thing that I did. And after two weeks, I put it in a spreadsheet. I prioritized it. And then I had a list of the most important things Mina can only do all the way down to things that a VA can do essentially. And once I had that list, I went through the bottom, starting from the least priority, and I created a video or a standard operating procedure recording, showing exactly what that person should do. So if I say, hey, I want you to upload a picture to Instagram, this is the, the exact steps. If you watch this and you copy me, you're good to go. And I started that way. I created a standard operating procedure for all of these things that I was doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And then I went to hire someone. So the hiring process 
for me, I have a slightly different hiring process. I like to test people and I think resumes and all that stuff is bullshit. I forged my resume in the past. I've changed my resume so that it can match the job more. So I like to test people. What I do is first I have a job description and at the bottom of the job description is three questions. I ask you to reply to my email with the subject, with the subject being, I want to work for you, open in quotations, the name of performance, nut butter founder. And that's my friend's company. They have to do some research. They have to figure out who that is, but that eliminates any of the apply for no reason kind of people. The second and the third one are two simple questions that you need to include in the email. One of them like shows me how good your English is. The other one shows me how like intelligent you are. Simple questions, but it's just, can you figure things out? Then once I get there, I filter anyone who didn't answer those questions correctly. And I'm left with maybe 10% of the people who applied actually being qualified applicants. The second step is I have a test and the test is a five question test. It might take you an hour to do, but to me, I'm like, if you really care and if you really want to get this job and, and I am such a great boss, I a lot of time off at, at least five, six weeks a year, paid time off, unlimited sick time, a lot of benefits, very frequent raises, paper paper performance. So if you tell me, Mina, I'm, I want to get paid an additional X amount. Can I do this to achieve that? I'm very flexible, you know, like flexible working hours, all that stuff. And if you are not willing to just spend an hour to test, then I don't think you're the right fit. I need people who are like going to be diehard in the company. You, the test is five questions and it's usually five questions that are related to the role and it shows me how you think. So a lot of times I'll include things that are like mistakes. And I'll say, I want you to find three bicycle shops in, in New York City that also have a, a juice bar next to them or something like that. And a lot of people will say, hey, like you, you, some people will just put in whatever a lot of, and some people will say, hey, I looked at this, I looked at the juice bars, I looked at that, and I found that this shop doesn't have a juice bar inside it, but it has a juice bar in the next block. Is that okay? And I'm like, okay, these are people that can think. The whole entire test is screen recorded. You can use a software like HireVue, H-I-R-E-V-U-E. Yeah, and uh, that can basically have the test live in there and then they can log in. And as soon as they log in, it shows them the test and starts recording them and they can't pause or anything. So you see them live, how they behave. And then I look through the tests and, and their best test, I interview that person one final time. I also love to do the personalities test. I think if no one is doing the 16 personality, if someone is not doing the 16 personalities test, I highly recommend you look into it because it really translates into if this is a job like that's a routine, blah, 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 blah. You don't want the protagonist. You don't want an executive. You don't want a commander because they're going to get bored. You don't want someone like me doing a mundane task because I'm just going to be like, wow, like this is so boring. Like I'm sick and tired of this. I'm just like itching to get out. But if you tell me, Mina, here's a, a thousand problems. We want you to solve them. I'm like, dude, I love this. Let's jump into the problems that solve one by one. Let's work with people, things like that. So understanding the personality is very important. But that's my hiring process is also like a funnel. And the same way that you would advertise your business on Facebook, on Google, whatever, I'm trying to capture applicants from as many places as possible. So we used to need one person here, one person there. Now in, in July and August alone, we're going to hire 11 people. At least there might be even more, but to get to that level of getting applicants, if I hired 11 people, that means I had maybe 50 people take a test. And if I had 50 people take a test, that means I have 200 people, decent people that have applied. And now, so I have to build a funnel the same way that I would build it for like clients for my business or whatever. I have different job boards 
and I have different versions of the job because, and I'm split testing. So I'm posting in different places. I'm seeing how many applications I'm getting. I'm changing the word. I'm changing the title. We used to say, mention like PPC and I think it threw off a lot of people. So we started mentioning data analyst and we started men- mentioning data engineer and we changed the words to like where it wouldn't really make a huge difference. Because who cares what the title is, right? At the end of the day, you're going to do the same work in the office. But we started split testing and now we have a funnel and people see the job applications or the job descriptions in different job boards and we get different applicants and we rotate and we look at which one gets the, the most qualified applicants. We see which like job board or whatever gets us the best qualified hires. And so it became a system. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. That you, you, that I'm very impressed. I think you got an extreme structure. I'm glad to hear that you're human and messed it up the first time. <laughs> you brought somebody in, gave them random things to do. So it sounds like you've gone the absolute opposite of that. Obviously, you've now created a real system of systems or a real machine, if you like. And I can see why you could begin to think about being able to walk away from this process and be able to do that, leave it to itself. But between your initial poor attempt and this incredible machine. How did you go about going from that first poor attempt to creating this? What's the sort of mini simple version for somebody who's hiring the first remote worker or two? Let's say a solopreneur to keep it simple because many people yeah. are in that boat and they're making their first remote hire or maybe they've hired one person, it didn't work out so well and they're on to their second or third hire now. What's the simple version of what you've been doing? The simple version is make that list, prioritize it, create the videos because you'd need that or else anything that you give to anyone is just, they're not going to do it. Then from there, uh, figure out what's like the most common thing in your list. Is it like a social media thing, whatever, just try and, and get something and then go and find some other companies' job descriptions, pull from that and make a, a Frankenstein, your own job description compiled of other people's uh, job descriptions, and then pick one job board, online jobs.ph for the Philippines. You can use the LinkedIn if you want, and then just choose the location. Rabota, if you're looking for Eastern Europe, and then jobrack.eu, also same thing. Just pick one and focus there. Put the application in. Get, like I said, three questions so that anyone who doesn't answer them, you immediately disqualify them so you don't waste your time. And then pick five tasks and create five simple questions. And that's it. And start collecting. If you notice that the applications that you're not getting a lot of hits, maybe change the title. Again, it's like it's split testing an ad. Is the copy bad? Is the image bad? Maybe maybe your description was just in words. Maybe try adding some creative stuff in there. See what happens. But that's it. That's how I would say it. Once you make a decision and hire someone, then just tell them, listen, watch this first video that I created. Watch it. Okay. Implement that video. Implement it. Make sure that they know how to implement it. Okay, good. You understand how to implement it. You're now going to graduate to the next SOP. And you give them the next SOP. And you're literally, when you bring someone on, you, you just want to give them one thing at a time. Even my managers, I hired stuff for like a hundred, over a hundred grand a year salary. And I told her for the first week, I only want you to do this one thing. She's like, I'm ready to take on. I'm like, I understand that you're ready and you're very enthusiastic. But what, what's happened is when I throw too much at one person at once, everything is, becomes shit. So I like to just one thing, master it. Tell me you're good. Make proof to me that you know how to do this very well, according to the company standards. And then I'll give you a second thing. And then before you know it, as you give them one thing and then the next and then the next, all of the things that you used to do, they can do. And your goal as a solopreneur is to create a digital copy of your brain and of your procedures. Take your brain, put it on the computer in the form of very small digestible videos so that when someone comes in, 
You can literally download your brain into theirs by having them watch all of those videos one at a time, mastering each one. Nice. I have to say, I think I probably succeeded in downloading my brain in some ways, and that may explain why some of my remote management has been so bad, because my uh, artistic type brain that goes all over the place sometimes. But uh, joking apart, I guess that as long as you've structured things in an intelligent way and done the job descriptions from other people and things like that, you've got a half chance. And I've got to say as well that I fall into this trap, and I don't think I'm alone here, of giving somebody... 15 different tasks to do in one go and i can back you 100 percent on the fact that it does not work very well i'm gradually learning i've gone from give them four different mini roles and 20 tasks in each role to give them two roles like general virtual assistant and podcast assistant i'm thinking of particularly for example and then try and only demand four things of them in one week and i'm gradually learning so you obviously realize this fully and properly so that's really great advice um what else we're going to talk about remote management in a separate podcast because i think that's a separate thing from finding and hiring people what other one main thing if i had to say one single thing about hiring remotely that we haven't covered what would that be what would that advice be to somebody doing it for the first or the second time yeah i'm glad you brought it up it's not going to be easy so don't get discouraged if you go through 20 or 30 or 50 applicants and they're all bad if you're going through 100 200 applicants and they're all bad maybe there's an issue but unless you've hit 100 applicants and they're all bad, I wouldn't worry. I used to think, man, I put a job application out there. I only got three hits. All of them suck. Like, what's going on? There is a huge demand on the external outside of the US and UK population to hire. So a lot of people are getting hit up in a lot of different places. Definitely try different job boards and don't get discouraged. And the one final thing I'll say is if you can afford it, use a good hit, a headhunter. So I have someone from the Philippines multiply me, my eye, and I don't know if you've used them, Michael, but I wanted to hire a manager. I just didn't know where to start because I, this wasn't going to be a person that I was just going to start delegating SOPs to. I needed someone who can really manage for me. And they're a headhunter. They know how to figure this out. They went, uh, they found her. And I had actually four really bad interviews with different people. And I was, oh man, like I used the headhunter. And then on the fifth one, I was so blown away. Immediately the next day I made her an offer and she's been critical. I think she's, there's only two people in my company, like under me, uh, directly under me. She's one of them. And she's incredible. Like I'm, I, my life has been 10,000 times better ever since I hired her. So the point is just don't get discouraged. It, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of rejecting people and hire very slowly and then fire very fast. Of course, you've heard this before. Hiring slow, sorry, hiring, uh, firing fast will, firing slow, I'm getting confused. Firing slow will cause your company to suffer. And this happened to me because I, as a normal person, wasn't cold-blooded like I am now. Now I just, if I see a mistake or whatever happened a couple of times, I'm like, okay, thank you very much. This is your last day. We pay them a severance and everything. But if back in the day, I was just too soft and I didn't want to tell someone like, hey, like you're no longer working in the company. And I know it's tough, but it will bring you and your team and your company down if you keep those bad apples there. And then hiring slow, there is no rush. And if you're not 100% convinced that if it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no, like that saying basically. But for hiring, if it's really not a very good employee, I wouldn't hire them because it's just, it's going to cost you more than, it's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you a lot of pain and a lot of waste. So I wouldn't hire someone unless I'm 100% sure. 
Great, great advice. And by the way, yeah, a couple of good references there. So there's the Derek Sivers book of that name. I think it's called Hell Yeah or No, because he wanted to get it published in America. And Multiply Me, yeah, super smart people. I spoke to Yoni, who I believe is the CEO and co-founder a couple of years ago at Mao, and they were scaling stupidly fast. I think they hired like 100 people in a year even then. So they're very smart people. And I can back the fact that Yoni certainly seemed to know his business. So yeah, great stuff. Love it. Really smart advice. We'll talk briefly in the next episode about how to manage remotely, sort of cliff notes for each one. Just quickly give you a chance to say what sort of stuff you do for Amazon sellers around helping them with their listings and titles and things like that. Uh, Trivium is a, is a rising partial team. We basically integrate with your team, help you run ads. We also do SEO title and bullet points, SEO optimization. So if you're products aren't rank, don't have the right keywords to rank them it'll you know hurt the ppc it'll hurt organic rank all the stuff so we use data dive to optimize the title and the bullet points and we just do it in a very data driven way but that's what we do my goal is to put as much education as value out there i actually just created trivium tribe which is paid the slack consulting for the people who can't like afford to hire consultants all the time or all this stuff i brought in my entire team in the slack we have consultants in the slack we have agency partners who basically are experts. It's not just salespeople, it's just only experts that can answer questions. And then for $200 a month, you join, you can ask any questions, you get access to our SOPs and sheets and templates. And basically my goal is to help people go from the starter mark to the, okay, now we can afford an agency and delegate and then go work on working on the business. Nice. I like that a lot. And the sort of thing we've been talking about today would be a great halfway house example, wouldn't it? I mean, I always, <laughs> always amazed by your energy and speed that you implement stuff. Whenever we talk too infrequently, you've done, you've built an entire business in between the conversations. Really great to talk to you. We're going to talk about managing remotely in the next episode for, for now. Just remain to say thank you so much. Mina Elias of Trivium. Peace out. Thanks for listening to the 10K Collective podcast for six and seven figure Amazon sellers. I really hope you found the show helpful to you. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please do leave us a quick star rating. It will take you all of 30 seconds to do it, but it does mean we can be found by and help many more e-commerce business builders. I wish you fast and profitable scaling, and I hope you enjoy the process of building your seven-figure Amazon business. Thanks very much for listening.